childhood cancer. I'm Dr. Jeff, I'm a paediatric oncologist, and this is my podcast that's mostly for the parents of children who are being treated for cancer and leukemia, but it's also for other people who are involved. Today I want to talk about another chemotherapy drug, and in particular today I'm going to talk about a combination called high-dose methotrexate. High-dose methotrexate also sort of includes what some people call intermediate-dose methotrexate. So first let me just describe methotrexate a bit, then the high-dose bit, and then I'll go on with the detail. Methotrexate is a chemotherapy drug. It's been around for decades. I think it was sort of first used in childhood leukemia and things in the sort of 50s or 60s, something like that. And it's quite a clever drug, methotrexate, What it does is it interferes with the way cells use folate. You know folate, folic acid, it's a vitamin. You probably hear about it most when you see those ads on TV encouraging women who are going to get pregnant or who are pregnant to make sure that they don't have a folate deficiency. Because if you have a folate deficiency when you're pregnant, then there's a slightly higher risk that the baby will be born with spina bifida. This is something they've only worked out in recent years. But anyway, that's why you see ads on TV for folate, folic acid. It's a vitamin and it's in green leafy vegetables in particular. And it's important to how we make our red blood cells. Anyway, methotrexate works to interfere the way folate is processed within cells. And then if the cells become deficient in folate, well, that helps to kill them. And that's what methotrexate does. Next, I want to talk about this whole high-dose thing. You can give methotrexate in nice little doses, given as tablets. And we give a lot of patients methotrexate tablets. In particular, patients with acute lymphoblastic leukaemia, when they get to the sort of final 18 months of treatment, the maintenance phase of treatment, Most of the time, those patients are taking some methotrexate tablets about once a week, week after week after week. That's methotrexate. Now, that's what you call normal-dose methotrexate or low-dose methotrexate. Today, we're talking about high-dose methotrexate, which is a totally different thing. Now, when we give doses of methotrexate as tablets to those kids with leukemia, we're usually giving a dose of about 20 milligrams per meter squared of body surface area. So if you're an average size person, you might get about 30 milligrams of methotrexate every week, taken as tablets week after week after week. Well, when we're talking about high-dose methotrexate, we're talking about a much, 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 much higher dose of methotrexate. We're talking about giving 12,000 milligrams per meter squared, or 5,000 milligrams per meter squared. We're talking about much higher doses. And the key difference here is that when we give high-dose methotrexate, well, we give the drug, and then some period of time later, it might be 24 hours or 48 hours or 42 hours later, we give the antidote for methotrexate. 
So we're giving a super high dose of methotrexate. And if that's all we did, well, you'd never recover from it, basically. But what we do is, right on schedule, we give the antidote to methotrexate. We give something called folinic acid. It's also called leucovorin. But anyway, we give folinic acid rescue, the antidote to methotrexate, and then that switches off the methotrexate. So when we're giving high-dose methotrexate, the idea is that we are totally blasting the cancer with methotrexate, with this sky-high concentration of methotrexate, and then we give the antidote and switch it all off. And like I said, the antidote could be given at different times, 24 hours, 42 hours, 48 hours. It all depends on the situation. Now let's talk about what diseases are treated with high-dose methotrexate. Basically, the diseases that we use high-dose methotrexate for would be acute lymphoblastic leukemia, some of the non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, osteogenic sarcoma of bone, and certain brain tumours. Now, I'm sure it's been used in other diseases, and probably it still is being used in other diseases, but they're the main ones. ALL, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, osteogenic sarcoma of bone, and some of the brain tumours. When it comes to acute lymphoblastic leukaemia, I wouldn't say every patient with ALL gets treated with high-dose methotrexate. It varies a bit. Some countries rely on high-dose methotrexate more than others, and in certain risk groups of ALL, you might be more likely to get it than in others. So it's a bit variable. It may or may not be in a particular ALL protocol. In non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, the same thing applies. It's very often included in the B-cell lymphomas, the Burkitt's lymphoma, Burkitt's leukemias. It may be included in lymphoblastic lymphoma, which is a bit like ALL in the way it's treated. And in osteogenic sarcoma, likewise, most of the protocols these days include high-dose methotrexate, but we went through a long phase in history where there was debate about whether to use high-dose methotrexate in the treatment of osteogenic sarcoma. And I think it was more often used in the United States and less often used in Europe, but it seems more and more that everyone's come around to including high-dose methotrexate in the treatment for osteogenic sarcoma. As for the brain tumours, it's a little bit variable where it gets used in the brain tumours. It has been used in certain protocols treating high-risk medulloblastoma, atypical teratoid rhabdoid tumour, certain other brain tumours. Often when it's used in brain tumours, it's part of the really intensive high-dose chemotherapy protocols. And oftentimes it's used in that setting where you're trying to avoid the use of radiotherapy if you possibly can. So it's a bit variable in neuro-oncology. Next, just to talk about the dose of methotrexate. Remember I said that when you give the tablet methotrexate without the folinic acid rescue, we're normally giving a dose of, you know, 20 milligrams, 30 milligrams by tablets. Little tiny doses like that. Well, when we give high-dose methotrexate, like I said, we're giving hundreds of times more methotrexate than when we're just giving the tablets. And that's because we're going to give the antidote. So in osteogenic sarcoma, the standard methotrexate dose is 12 grams per meter squared. 
Remember the meter squared thing. That's body surface area that's calculated. I've done a podcast on that if you want to know what body surface area is all about. It's not a fascinating subject, but it will explain what I'm talking about. Anyway, in osteogenic sarcoma, the standard dose is 12 grams per meter squared. And in osteogenic sarcoma, the drug's normally given over about four hours. And then the folinic acid, the antidote, the rescue, is normally given at about hour 24. Now, I say about. I mean, meticulously, it should be given on time. 24 hours from the start of the methotrexate. It's got to be given on time. It's not something you mess around with. But when I say about, well, that's because there are different protocols out there for methotrexate and folinic acid timing, etc. So I'm just allowing for that. But basically, in osteogenic sarcoma, the drug's given over four hours, and then 24 hours from the start of the methotrexate, then the folinic acid rescue is given, the antidote. Now, in acute lymphoblastic leukemia and some of the lymphomas, the dose is normally lower. A common dose in ALL would be to give 5 grams per metre squared of methotrexate, but this time to infuse it over 24 hours through the central line. So a slower drip over 24 hours, and then to give the antidote, the folinic acid, sometime later, and it might be at hour 42 from the start of the whole thing. So for instance, if you started the methotrexate infusion at 6am one day, then it would finish at 6am the next day, and then you might give the folinic acid at hour 42, which would be at midnight at the end of that day. That's a typical sort of protocol for giving high-dose methotrexate in ALL. But there are other ones. There are doses of 1 gram per metre squared, 3 grams per metre squared, 8 grams per metre squared. There's a whole bunch of different doses in different situations. It all depends a bit upon what disease you're treating and what are the drugs you're giving with it. So when we give it in osteosarcoma and we give 12 grams, the big high dose, well, we're not usually giving other drugs with it at the same time. But when we give it in some other situations, like in Burkitt's lymphoma, well, we're usually giving other drugs as well. So it all depends a bit on all of those things. So for a given disease and in a given protocol, there'll be a specified dose of methotrexate to give, and it will be given over a certain period of time through the central line, and then it will be very exactly spelled out when you're meant to give this folinic acid antidote drug and how long you're meant to give it for. So for osteosarcoma, you give it for a minimum usually of about 12 doses. In acute lymphoblastic leukemia, you might just give three doses. It all varies and it's all got to be sorted out for a particular protocol. But that timing of the folinic acid is critically important. It's not something to just say, ah, don't worry, the kid's asleep, we'll give it in the morning. No, it's got to be given at the right time. That's the drug that's rescuing the patient from this super high dose of drug, remember. Now, one of the problems with high-dose methotrexate is that you normally have to be in hospital to give it. See, with methotrexate, you have to give a certain amount of fluid with it intravenously, and then you have to give something to make the urine pH on the alkaline side. So, you know, the pH is the measure of acid, you know, in a swimming pool, for instance, or in your shampoo. Well, we want the urine pH to be a bit alkaline. We want it to be 7 or 8 or something like that. So we're normally giving an exact specified amount of fluid through the drip and often we're giving sodium bicarbonate in the bags of fluids 
and that bicarbonate ends up in the urine and causes an alkaline pH. And that's very important to making sure that you excrete the methotrexate properly and that it doesn't glug up the kidneys on the way out. So it's a bit of a pain in the neck to give methotrexate. You've got to be in hospital, be on this drip, giving all these fluids, monitoring everything, checking the urine pH. Then you can give the methotrexate over however many hours and then usually keep staying on the fluids, stay on the sodium bicarbonate and then give the folinic acid as specified and then when it's all done you can go home. The other thing that happens during this phase in hospital giving the methotrexate is that we actually measure the methotrexate levels in the blood. Methotrexate's one of the few chemotherapy drugs where we can routinely measure the levels in the bloodstream. And then we stay on the fluids until the methotrexate drops below a certain level. And then when it's low enough, we can stop the folinic acid, stop the fluids, and then it's all done. Sometimes you can go home still on the folinic acid and come back the next day and check the methotrexate level. It all depends very much on the situation. It's all very technical and complicated. But that's the basic protocol for giving it. There's normally a period of fluids called prehydration and a period where we're trying to get the urine to have this alkaline pH. Then we give the methotrexate and it might be over 4 hours or 24 hours or 36 hours, still with all those fluids going. And then at the required time point, we give the folinic acid antidote and then monitor the methotrexate levels until they're low enough. And then we can stop the folinic acid, stop the fluids, get out of hospital and then plan what happens next. The only extra thing to mention is that the patients with leukemia and lymphoma may well be having a lumbar puncture and an intrathecal chemotherapy injection during the methotrexate infusion. See, that's one of the reasons we give high-dose methotrexate in leukemia and lymphoma, and that is because the drug gets into the spinal fluid this way. And so what we do is we do the lumbar puncture to introduce a dose of methotrexate straight into the spinal fluid, and then we rely on this long infusion of methotrexate to keep that concentration of methotrexate in the spinal fluid above a certain level for a certain period of time and that's all to help to eradicate any leukemia cells in the spinal fluid. So oftentimes there's a lumbar puncture and an intrathecal chemo injection tied in with the methotrexate infusion and they're all meant to sort of be timed appropriately to ensure that the methotrexate level in the spinal fluid is optimal. Now, there's a couple of good things to say about high-dose methotrexate. I said how it's a pain in the neck to be in hospital and on a drip and staying in hospital for a few nights to give this methotrexate. Yes, that's a bit of a pain. But compared to some of the other chemotherapy drugs, I find that a lot of patients don't get as sick with methotrexate. So compared to the drugs you have for the induction phase of leukemia or the cisplatin doxorubicin that you get with osteosarcoma, I find that the high-dose methotrexate doesn't tend to knock patients around as much as far as feeling sick and vomiting and so on. So that's a good thing. Also, it doesn't tend to mess up your blood counts as much as some of the other drugs. Now, it would if you didn't give the antidote, believe me. The bone marrow would never recover, probably. The liver would never recover. But 
we give the antidote. And so by and large, it doesn't whack the blood counts as much. We don't see the blood counts dropping as much with high-dose methotrexate given alone. Now, remember, it might be given with other drugs and they might be bad for the blood count. But just high-dose methotrexate alone doesn't tend to be so bad. And so when we give high-dose methotrexate, yes, it's a pain to be in hospital, but often when patients go home from hospital, they're reasonably well over the subsequent days. And the main thing that you might see several days later is some mouth ulcers, some reduction in the blood counts, those sorts of things. But it doesn't tend to be as terrible a drug as certain other drugs that we use in treating children with cancer. So in particular, in the protocol we use for acute lymphoblastic leukaemia, after you know 10 or 12 weeks of intensive treatment at the start of treatment, then we get to a phase where we give this high-dose methotrexate for eight weeks. So we give it every two weeks for four doses. Well, that eight weeks can often be a bit of a better time. Uh, yes, they're in hospital to give the methotrexate, but tend to feel a bit better in between doses. Sometimes their hair starts to grow back for a while and it doesn't tend to mess up the blood counts as much. But now for the big bad thing that can go wrong with high-dose methotrexate and the big bad thing that can be a problem is if the high-dose methotrexate causes a kidney problem. A lot of kids get high-dose methotrexate and they just sail through it and we monitor their kidney blood tests and their methotrexate levels and everything's okay. But sometimes we see patients whose kidneys really take a hit and the methotrexate levels are way too high after the infusion and then we see their kidney function go right off. That's the creatinine level and the urea level. They're the tests of kidney function on the blood test. We can see them go up and up and up. And in extreme cases, we can see the kidneys shut down altogether. We can have patients that need to go on a kidney machine for a few weeks, for instance. So this is something that happens just occasionally, this abnormal kidney function, but it can be a real problem. And when we start to see this, often we might give the folinic acid earlier. The protocol might specify that we give much, much, much higher doses of folinic acid. We might give extra fluid rates all sorts of measures to try to get the methotrexate level down and to limit the damage from the methotrexate. So this is one of the main things that can go wrong when you're giving high-dose methotrexate. An acute deterioration in kidney function, and it might just be something we measure with our blood tests and that's about all, but it can be as extreme as going into full-on kidney failure. Now, the times I've seen full-on kidney failure... I've always seen the patients then make a recovery, but it can take some weeks to do so. It's, it's a big problem. But every patient I've seen has eventually recovered. I haven't seen anyone left with full-on kidney failure permanently. Now, in really extreme situations where we see severely impaired methotrexate excretion, so levels that are way too high, kidney function going right off, oftentimes vomiting a lot, sometimes a bit drowsy, in these situations, we've got another antidote drug that we can use. So the regular antidote to use is folinic acid. That rescues the body from the methotrexate. But in extreme situations, there's another drug. It's called carboxypeptidase. It's extremely expensive, but it's a drug that we can give intravenously and basically it destroys the methotrexate wherever it is in the body. 
Now, we don't want to do that lightly. Remember, we're trying to cure cancer with the methotrexate, so we don't want to just do this lightly. But if we're really heading into trouble with kidney function, this is the drug that can just rescue the patient, clear the methotrexate away completely, and then hopefully see the patient recover well. How often do we use carboxypeptidase? Well, I guess if I look at the last 20-odd years of treating patients, I'd say that I've ended up using it about three times, three or four times on my patients. So it's not something we're doing all the time, but it's reassuring to know that the drug is there if you need it. After we give high-dose methotrexate and then the folinic acid's been given and the methotrexate levels have come down nicely and then the patient goes home, well, what do we see in the next few weeks? Like I said, we might see some mouth ulcers develop. We might see some reduction in the blood counts. And often we would get the patient to come to the clinic and have a blood count and just be checked over after a week. But oftentimes the patients are doing pretty well and it's a good time to try to get back to school and not spend so much time coming to the hospital. That's if all goes well, of course. Now, what about permanent side effects of high-dose methotrexate? Well, I'd have to say it's a, it's a pretty good drug as far as long-term side effects are concerned. I don't really think of a lot of permanent side effects occurring with high-dose methotrexate. It's not one of the typical drugs we think of as causing infertility, for instance. It's not really a drug that's high on the list of drugs that, you know, could increase your risk of getting leukaemia or something late in life. So it's a pretty good drug from all those respects. Obviously, if a patient has a bad reaction to methotrexate and it damages their kidneys, well, oftentimes they make a pretty good recovery from it, but there would be patients whose kidney function isn't quite normal after they recover from the methotrexate. But remember, we've got a lot of spare kidney function, and if you lose an amount of kidney function, well, you know, you can still be pretty well healthy and not have any problems from it. So I don't really see a lot of patients with kidney problems after having had high-dose methotrexate earlier in life. Now, there is a bit of literature out there if you look at the MRI scans of the brain after high-dose methotrexate. There is a little bit of literature out there talking about how you can see some abnormalities in the brain scan and in particular in what you call the white matter. So the brain has the grey matter, that's where the main body of your brain cells are, and then the white matter, that's the sort of where all the wiring is sort of going from your brain and heading off into your spinal cord and your arms and legs, that's the white matter. So there is some literature saying that on the MRI scans you can see these white matter changes in patients. Now, I honestly don't know if it's more likely in the leukaemia patients who have also had the lumbar punctures, remember, and certain other drugs, etc., etc., And it's not clear to me that this really matters much. It might just be something that we can see on the MRI scan rather than something that's actually of any relevance or that affects the patient in any particular way. But it is out there. If you read about it, you'll see talk about white matter changes in the brain after high-dose methotrexate. Again, not sure whether it's really of any significance to the patient or just something that we're seeing on the scans. Final thing to mention is that there are certain drugs that you shouldn't take at the time of high-dose methotrexate. So a lot of patients are on an antibiotic all the time, something called Bactrim or Septrin or Sulfamethoxazole. These are all 
different names for the same drug. It's one of these sulfur antibiotics. A lot of children on chemotherapy are on that drug to prevent this obscure form of pneumonia. Well, we tend to stop that drug during the days of the high-dose methotrexate. And there's certain other drugs that you shouldn't take during high-dose methotrexate because it can interfere with the kidney's ability to clear it out of the bloodstream. So aspirin, for instance, you shouldn't take during high-dose methotrexate. And really, if you were going to go on to some sort of complementary medicine or herbal medicine or something, I think with high-dose methotrexate, I'd very much be running that by the doctors just to check that it is safe to give during high-dose methotrexate. This isn't one to sort of keep a secret to yourself that you're giving your child some complementary medicine, herbal medicine or something. This is one where I would run it by the doctors just to check that it's not going to interfere with the methotrexate excretion. But anyway, that's high-dose methotrexate. Again, it's used in osteogenic sarcoma, acute lymphoblastic leukaemia, some of the non-Hodgkin's lymphomas and some of the brain tumours. And it's probably used elsewhere. But it's high-dose methotrexate. It's a sky-high dose of methotrexate given with fluids and alkalinization of the urine and then followed by this folinic acid rescue. This is the antidote. This is the critical thing that you have to make sure the patient gets the folinic acid in the right dose at the right time. But eventually the methotrexate levels come down and then hopefully the patient can go home and then make plans for what happens next. The big bad thing that can go wrong though is a hit to the kidney function. That's the big one that we're all looking out for. So we're monitoring the kidney function and the urine output and everything and in really severe situations, we may have to use the alternative rescue drug, carboxypeptidase. So I'll leave it there. Thanks for tuning in to Understanding Childhood Cancer with Dr. Jeff. Leave me some questions at the Facebook page if you like. I'll get on with some more drugs in the coming weeks. But for now, that's it. I'll talk to you next time. Bye now.